Hi, this is Vanessa Marshall. I play Harrison Dula on Star Wars Rebels, and you're listening to Star Wars Bookworms. Enjoy. Even men like Talon Card occasionally make mistakes. This is the Chimera. Launch the attack. Time to go to work. You won't let me get killed, will you? Is that what I was supposed to be doing here? I should have brought my lightsaber. You're listening to episode 31 of Star Wars Bookworms, your source for discussion and reviews of the new Star Wars releases from Dark Horse Comics, DK Publishing, Delray Books, and soon to be Marvel and Disney Publishing. I'm one of your hosts, Teresa Delgado, and I'm joined here by my fearless leader, Aaron Goins. What? Look, I gave you a I just title. got promoted. You got promoted. <laughs> Feels like Should've we just did this. called you my Jedi this. Master. Jedi Master. <laughs> I'm the Ewok Defender, and the you're the Jedi Master. You. <laughs> yeah, I saw you gave us titles in the Goodreads. It did. Thing. It did. Yeah, it feels like we were just here, like yeah, just, five minutes ago. <laughs> just did this. Yeah. But today we're doing, or today, like it's a different day. Uh, this episode, we are introducing another panel that we that we have moderated at DragonCon. Right. So, um, if you didn't listen to episode thirty, which is like a milestone episode thirty, that's pretty awesome. Um, we played the audio from a panel that we moderated at DragonCon as well as reca- recapped our DragonCon experience. And so this is the second panel that we moderated at DragonCon. And it's um, all about the EU and Legends and what that means and going forward with the new canon and, you know, what everybody is kind of hoping for and that kind of thing with Star Wars books. Yeah, and we, you know, we had a panel full of awesome, very notable Star Wars authors that we got to talk to. Um, I'll go through the list again because I know we did it on the last episode, but just in case you didn't listen to the last episode, uh, we had uh, Mike Stackpole, uh, Dave Wolverton, Timothy Zahn, Christy Golden, Kevin J. Anderson, and Rebecca Mesta were all on the same panel. So all of these these writers who have written things like the Thrawn trilogy and books from the Fate of the Jedi series and the X-Wing books and Courtship of Princess Leia and the Young Jedi Knights novels, uh, we had all of them there to really give us their thoughts on, you know, the Legends label on the Expanded Universe and the changes and everything else in between. So it was a really fun panel to moderate. And we were very happy to have that, you know, that privilege that was given to us by uh, DragonCon. Mm-hmm. Totally. Um, I would just like to point out in this episode, though, that I was wearing my Her Universe Ewok hoodie and Aaron did not let me keep my ears up. I'm just going to point that out. Let you. <laughs> he said you, no. You asked me which would look better, and I said, you know, take him down. But... <laughs> More professional. So I just want to say that the reason if you were at the panel or if you have pictures, see pictures of the panel, the only reason my Ewok ears are not up and I was not the defender of Ewoks was because I was told it was more professional if my ears were down. <laughs> You're making me sound such, like such a <laughs> I'm bad just guy. Kidding. I'm just playing around. <laughs> no, it's completely fine. Um, but I was rock- rocking my Katniss Everdeen braid, so yes. Yes, and I think That's I was Hunger Games. trying to remember what shirt I wore that day. I think on the first books panel, I had the uh, the cool story bro shirt with a uh, yeah, because Bo- we did Boba Fett Boba that Fett. day that, as a team for a Star Wars report. Yeah, so it's a it's actually a shirt from We Love Fine that was for Star Wars Reads Day, and I got that and thought it'd be a perfect time to wear it on a Star Wars books panel. So it's a picture of Boba Fett holding a book reading a book and then uh under it says cool story bro so that's what i wore the first day second day i think i was just wearing a regular plain star wars t-shirt but i think it was the one of the newer shirts that they 
have it targeter, had it targeter, something like that. Yeah, and I did get I, we did get a chance to kind of individually talk to the different authors before the panel started, mm-hmm. and I talked to Dave Wolverton, and um, he I kind of told him you know Courtship of Princess Leia was the first Star Wars book I ever read, um, and I know it gets kind of a bad rap, but I actually really enjoyed it, and it kind of it's kind of nostalgic for me. And so I was happy to be able to finally meet him and just let him know, hey, it was my first book and it's really what hooked me into reading more Star Wars books. And he was very appreciative of that. But he also noticed my tattoo on my forearm of the, the Rebel insignia. And, and really, uh, he thought that was really cool that I had that tattoo as well. And, uh, you know, so he he complimented me on my tattoo. I complimented him on his amazing writing. And, you know, we, I think we're friends now. I think, you know, he follows me on Twitter or something. You had a moment? No, not really. But... <laughs> But it well, was just cool. Like you, I had the fanboy moment. I was trying. I mean, I think you were probably, you know, probably laughing at me behind my back. But I was over there, just kind of really fanboying, fanboying out. You know, talking to these authors, trying to keep it professional, but at the same time, was just seething this like, ah, oh, I'm meeting these people that I've been reading their books for years. Yeah, and I know that was a really like surreal experience for you. I mean, it's a little bit different for me just because a lot of the stuff that I have read is more of in the older public, you know. So, like, I know who Timothy Zahn is, and I respect him for everything that he's done. Um, but pretty much the only thing that I've read of his is Scoundrels, and I keep pointing that out on the show. And eventually, somebody's going to come and find me. And <laughs> eventually, you're going back. to read the other ones, right? I will, or at I least will. the Thrawn trilogy. That's yeah. You know. That's a I good will. starting point. Maybe we'll just do it in the book club. That way you'll have to read them. <laughs> just get it over with. And then um, I have read Christy Golden's books um, from Fate of the Jedi because I have read most of those actually. Um, you know, the Young Jedi Knight stuff I haven't read, but it really sounds like stuff I really want to read. So I got to figure out how to find those. Um, and I do have all of the X-Wing novels actually. I picked them all up um, when I was back home at Christmas from Half Price Books and um, I got them all except for the first one. For some reason, the first one's really hard to get a hold of. So I'll have a chance to read those. But um, we are going to try and get um, a lot of these authors on Bookworms. We know that they haven't written stuff in Star Wars in a while, but we only feel like it would be appropriate um, to have these authors on the show um, to at least get to talk to them. You know? and, and they seem pretty open to it, too, so that's exciting. Yeah, and, and the one that has kind of written stuff recently and is actually writing something right now that's going to be coming out in the new canon is Christy Golden. So that was kind of cool to meet her. And she was the only author on that entire panel that's actually still writing uh, for Star Wars, as far as we know. There may, you know. Some of the others may just not have been announced yet. But Timothy Zahn was pretty convincing the fact that he has not been contacted uh, about anything. But who knows? Maybe he's just trying to, you know, kind of veer us away from the truth and he may be working on a book for all we know but you know so we got to hear talk a little bit about the the ventures of Oz novel she didn't really have too much to share but in both panels she actually brought that up because obviously that's a question that a lot of fans had uh so it was it was cool to hear her talk about the process now with the story group and and those type of things Right. And um, we also want to mention here um, about the Star Wars Bookworms book club or as Delray is calling it, our Readers Club. Um, in case you didn't know, we do have a book club, and it is over on Goodreads, goodreads.com, and then you just search for um, Star Wars Bookworms. And we have over 140 members in our book club right now, which is really cool. And basically what we do, in case you don't know, is each month, sometimes we skip months in case, like, in for busy or whatever, but um, we 
do we read a book together and it gives us a good chance to go back and read some of those books that um, are kind of older. Maybe people haven't read in a while. People want to revisit, um, you know, things that we may not be able to get to on the show since we do cover new releases and it gives us a chance to interact with our community that way. Um, so, so far in the book club, we've done The Truce at Bakura, I, Jedi, Deceived, and for September, we have chosen to do A New Dawn. And we chose to do that because the book came out right at the very beginning of September, on September 2nd, so it's, you know, only been out a couple of days. And it would give us a good chance to start off the new Star Wars timeline and the new Star Wars canon Um while everybody's excited about it. And the way that we broke down the book allows you to finish it right as the um, premiere movie of, I think it's called A Spark of Rebellion for Rebels, um, will be coming on the Disney Channel. So you'll be able to end your reading right as that's starting, which is great because this book is all about the backstory of Kanan and Hera and kind of how they met. Um, but there's something really cool that's happened with our book club, Erin. And I'm still so excited about this, and I hope you are. Oh, I'm very excited. Never never would have expected this for our little book club that was your idea. I, I'm giving you credit for that. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it's really grown to be a really fun community of people. And, yeah, we have, we have the privilege of welcoming a Star Wars author into our club, which is uh, John Jackson Miller, the writer of A New Dawn, is actually joining us. This month, um, he's 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 one of our members now, and he's in there posting and re- replying to posts, and we've both talked to him today just on things about the book um, right online. So this is a perfect time if you haven't joined our book club yet. You know, jump on over to Goodreads, join up. Uh, you know, search for Star Wars Bookworms, and uh, you can talk to John Jackson Miller over there. Maybe get your your questions that you might have about a new dawn, or maybe about other stuff that he's written. Uh, he's right in there to answer them. Yeah, and he's um he's told us, you know, that he does have a pretty busy schedule, but he's going to try and stay on top of it, you know, as far as answering questions, posting threads um, of discussions and things like that. Um, like, I'll just read his greeting for everybody. He says, hi, folks, the kind folks at Delray let me know this was your book of the month. Thanks very much for selecting it. I don't know how often I'll get in here given my schedule, but I should be able to help with any burning questions. And he's actually been in here um, the past two days. He has checked in and he has commented. So he is checking in, um, and I just think it's really awesome that he is in here. Um, he's been commenting on things even down to simple stuff like the way that the chapters are structured and sort of what his thinking was behind that. Um, so I just think it's going to be a really cool time. So if you want to join in, um, you know, come and join us because I think it's going to be a really fun month for the book club. Yeah, I'm really excited. And the book, I've, I'm only about four chapters in. And I, I think, you know, so far I'm really liking what I'm seeing. So, yeah, it's going to be a fun month for, for the book club. Yep, and there's also been an audio trailer for the book that was released. Um, I think I found it on Entertainment Weekly, but um, Jimmy Mack from Rebel Force Radio produced it with Vanessa Marshall, and she does read a section of it. It's about two pages that she reads that's a section that involves Hera. So that was really cool to get to hear her read and then also do Hera's voice and kind of the inflections of that. So I think it'll be if you haven't checked that out, um, we have links to it on our social media and on our Facebook page and stuff. So, um, do we want to go ahead and let them listen to the panel? Yeah, let's play it. All right. So this is the audio from DragonCon 2014 for the EU Legends panel. 
you can talk. You guys are the so most well-behaved because there's a puppetry panel on the other side, and they were just like a bunch of termites running around all over the place trying to get into the room. And we're going, where's the Star Wars room? Where's the Star Wars room? And they, none of them knew. The, uh, the moderator of the other room didn't know. And finally we went over and just saw everybody sitting in here in neat rows, patiently waiting. There's no chaos. And I just went, those must be the Star Wars fans. <laughs> These are the droids we were looking yeah, for. Yeah, they're the droids we're looking for. We got to get the app. We were all lining up in rows. Yeah. No moderator. Yeah. No one else had to use Man. And the puppet people were Somebody's like, like Greedo in target practice. We're used to waiting. Yeah, so you're saying this is practice for next year? Some of us all delivered our books on time so you could read things in the meantime. In fact, every one of us here delivered our books on time. So, <laughs> And we're still waiting for George R.R. R. Martin's Star Wars novel. It's still... <laughs> yeah, that's going to happen. And because in it, everyone dies. Yes. <laughs> He's writing The Last Days of Alderaan. Yes. <laughs> Damn it, I want to do that one. I did Krypton already. Vader is coming. Yes. Yeah. Oh, are we going to start a panel? Sorry, we just sort of hijacked your panel. <laughs> if, it, if it's in the right font. No, it's okay. I mean, we, we have one more chair, but we can get started. Yeah, because she's coming. So we're just waiting on Christy Golden. She'll be here shortly. She's probably stuck in a tunnel somewhere. Traffic. Human human traffic but she comes from writing she comes from writing Star Trek books so there's a little bit of a of carryover there so we'll talk about her we committed Star Trek uh, we, okay uh, so we're gonna go ahead and get started even though we're waiting for Christy she'll be here eventually um, my name is Teresa Delgado I'm from a podcast called Star Wars Bookworms as well as Jedi News UK and the Star Wars Report it, can we just wait until after thank you I'm so sorry um, and this is Aaron Goins it's my co-host on Bookworms he writes for the Star Wars Report and for Jedi News UK as well I would assume you're all in here because you like Star Wars books there's Christy yeah. there's Christy there's no, Christy. It, it's the front of the room, Christy, not the back of the room. <laughs> she likes the attention. <laughs> so we are lucky enough to be here with some author, awesome Star Wars authors. And Aaron? So just kind of running down the line here, we have uh, Michael Stackpole sitting there at the end of the table. Probably best known for his X-Wing novels as well as I, Jedi, one of my favorite books. Um, we also have um, Mr. David Farland. Wolverton first. Wolverton. Dave Wolverton. He uh, wrote Courtship of Princess Leia. Yes. We also have Kevin, Kevin Anderson who wrote the uh, Jedi Academy trilogy. Uh, and a number of other novels. A number, yes. <laughs> Rebecca Mesta, who wrote uh, Young Jedi Knights uh, Junior novels, was part and of that. And Junior Jedi Knights. And Junior, junior Jedi, Jedi Knights. Young Jedi Knights, 14 of them with Kevin. With Kevin. And then three Junior Jedi Knights. 
And we also have Christy Golden and Timothy Zahn back from yesterday's panel. We had an awesome time talking to you guys yesterday. We get to talk to you again today. Um, Christy Golden has written uh, novels in the, new, or in the uh, Fate of the Jedi series, and she's also writing a new novel in the uh, new Star Wars canon, which is something we're going to be talking about today. Um, and, the, and it's based on Asajj Ventress and Quinlan Voss. So if you haven't heard of that, that's, we're all excited to read that one. And obviously, Timothy's on. Everybody. Thrawn Trilogy, Scoundrels, a number of other Star Wars novels. So we're so happy to have all of you guys here. We're going to ask you guys a few questions, kind of get the conversation rolling, and then we're going to open it up to audience questions. So um, can I can I also quick mention Rebecca had some major back surgery back in April where they fused a couple of her vertebrae and she was laid up and she scheduled her surgery so that her recovery time was done so she could come to Dragon Con and this is her coming out party this is her first trip So don't be a pain so before we do uh, get things started, we kind of wanted to just kind of run down what the current status of the Star Wars literary world is, because some changes have happened recently. Um, as you all know, with uh, the new movies coming, they made some changes to kind of what's canon, what's not canon, uh, kind of drew a line in the sand, I guess you could say. Um, obviously, um, I think all of us as readers, we kind of see it as one big story. It's Star Wars is one big story. And we love the fact that you know the novels and the comics and all that stuff fit together so well. Um, but changes happen, and you know, for for good or bad. And um, so, kind of to explain what did happen, um, pretty much any of the novels that have come before have been relabeled re uh, under the Legends banner, um, which is I kind of see it almost as like an alternate universe a little bit. Um, stories still happened, but. Um, the canon going forward with any novels or comics that come out are going to be considered on the same level as the movies, uh, Rebels, the new TV show that's coming out. Everybody excited for that? Yeah. Yes. And also uh, the Clone Wars will also be part of that So and the new films. So um, any new novels, new comics, it's all going to fit into one big cohesive story that's going to fit together with all of the new content on TV and the movies too, which is something that's new um, that really Lucasfilm hasn't done before. So that's very exciting. Obviously, we're sad to kind of see some of these stories. You know, some of our favorite characters in the novels, Ben Skywalker, Jaina Solo, um, you know, s seeing these, these stories kind of um, not continue, but we never know that that could happen eventually. So that's just kind of, if you weren't aware of that change, that has happened, and um, we'll be talking a little bit more about that. And we actually do have our first novel in the new canon, if you will, and that is A New Dawn by John Jackson Miller that has come out. And then, um, no, it hasn't come out yet. It comes out on Tuesday, on the 2nd. So that'll be the first one to start picking up and sort of go forward. Um, but to kind of kick this off, we wanted to ask you guys about the term legends. Uh, not so much about it becoming legends, but about the term. What does the term mean to you guys? Um, has it brought up any thoughts or emotions with you? And we're going to start with Tim. I, I see this as where these are the stories that are not official history of Star Wars. Doesn't mean they didn't happen. Uh, if it's I, I, my take is if it's not contradicted in the new movies or in Rebels, we can still consider it to be accurate. It's just 
uh, you know, pick some governments, uh, something in the history that they don't want to acknowledge for some reason. So it's not really in the in the official history, but the people remember it and they tell stories about it. And um, not to be snarky, but often the legends of some character in history are, are more interesting than the actual history. Uh, don't credit that to me. Um, I, I kind of make a distinction in my own mind between the terms legend and myth. Um, yes. Myth is uh, uh, born of the imagination uh, of the soul of the collective subconscious, if you will. Um, these these stories that that are true in that what they stand for is true, but never happened. Legends um, may be historical events that have gotten things added onto them. For instance. George Washington is real. He never cut down the cherry tree, though. But that's oh. a legend that. Yeah, I'm. I'm so sorry. I'm. So, I'm, I'm so so sorry. Time. Say spoiler next time. <laughs> Gutting your childhood. Sorry. Um, so so things like that. Um, I, I like to think that that people m- maybe had, you know, have heard in some far reaches of the galaxy of this this character named Luke Skywalker, and yeah, well, the the guy who came through last year, he to- he told us that, you know, and and maybe it kind of grew like that. Um, I see absolutely nothing pejorative whatsoever about the uh, the word legend. Um, I would like to think that I do write legends in most of the things that I write, and um, at least for those of you who are uh, fans of modern culture, saying the work we did is legend, wait for it, dairy, (laughs) is most excellent, and uh, I'm good with that. Well, and... I'm sure a lot of you have read plenty of comics and everything, and if you're used to reading comics, you know that there are zillions of different quote-unquote storylines of things. And I was kind of bent out of shape seeing the recent reboot of Spider-Man, watching it going, well, that's not the origin of Spider-Man, but that doesn't mean that all of the other origins of Spider-Man uh, that I grew up with are gone. I still enjoy those, and I still do it. And um, I wrote a book called The Last Days of Krypton that sort of consolidated dozens of utterly contradictory stories in the approved DC Universe canon. So we're fans. You roll with it. I mean, there, there's different stories, different characters, and um, I'm thrilled if you keep loving the original stuff because they're legends or because they're um, alternate histories or whatever. They're just they're good stories with fun characters, and um, keep reading them and keep reading the new stuff and keep watching it because that'll the way that you get more and more stuff so um i'm i'm thrilled but we just don't want the legend of um jar jar jedi knight <laughs> could that's be coming <laughs> that's a myth yeah i think that's a great term frankly i i really enjoy it you know i've uh, i recently had a little um kind of a family reunion over the phone talking with some of my sisters about you know those days in family history that you guys all remember from 30 or 40 years ago and and it was fun how each one of us had our own different version of what had happened you know oh, I remember this and oh yeah I've forgotten about that 
And, uh, and I think that I like that term because it sort of brings that to mind, the sense that, okay, you're getting one person's take on it, um, and it may not be the entire truth. It may be slanted a little bit to the way that this person remembers, but it's still pretty much a good version. Yeah, I don't think any of us were under any impression that we were writing history. We all knew that we were writing entertainment. Um, and especially during the Bantam days, we knew that the movies and, and those representations were the, you know, were the top layer of the cake. And, and we certainly, any of us who wrote before Phantom Menace, saw the history, because when we'd been given the history, as I recall, the Clone Wars were like 38 years before. And you know, a Phantom Menace comes around and now it's 18 years before. So the history that we had been given got tromped over by those films. And it didn't change anything in the novels. It didn't make the novels any less entertaining. So I'm not really worried. And I think, you know, for me, I've already, I've always known I was a legendary writer. So, so having, having Disney say that I am by putting that on my books, I'm good with that. I'm getting it on my cards, in fact. Yay. In fact, there was actually a precedent for this before that because the three anthologies that I edited, Tales from the Moss Eisley Cantina, Tales of Jabba's Palace, and Tales of the Bounty Hunters, which um, Tim is in, Rebecca's in, I'm in, Dave's in, but I didn't invite Mike. Um, <laughs> but all of those came out before even the special editions came out. And there are stories about Jabba the Hutt, the Sice Noodles, the band, with the blue elephant and everything in Jabba's Palace. Well, the special editions came out, and that entire band is different. Well, we didn't reissue the anthology. It's still the one of that one. That's the second best-selling anthology of all time in science fiction. It still sells. It's still out there. They didn't change it. Um, nobody got all heartburny over whether that was canon or not. There's still good stories, so read the stories. And you actually brought up a good point that I meant to mention earlier, that just because the Legends books have been given that title, they're not going out of print. So you're still going, be, going to be able to pick those up at the bookstores, but you'll just notice that they have a banner across the top now that says Legends on them. But they're not going out of print, so all of these stories are still going to be available to get, which is very encouraging. With, with the quote on the cover that says, some legends are more interesting than history, quote <laughs> Timothy Zahn. <laughs> It's if a podcast. Only, you if, have a recording of that. Yeah, yeah. yeah, if yeah only, no, if only the marketing guys were that smart. <laughs> well, we have learned that with Star Wars marketing, it can be a little bit iffy at times. So, so some of you have already experienced having characters that you've written or elements that you've written taken into canon. You know, we have Coruscant, other things that you've written that have found their way into canon. We have the Witches of Dathomir, who are now in the Clone Wars, and awesome characters there. Um, do, you, do any of you have uh, like a favorite character that you would like to see carried into the new canon, even maybe in the comics, novels, or even see show up in film? Let me think. Other than, <laughs> other than Mary Jade? <laughs> just, just have a red-headed woman walk by through the background. That's all I ask, really. She could be up a little <laughs> Do, do an Imperial fleet, some kind of a group thing, and, and a blue-skinned chiss going in the background someplace. That's really all we really need. Though, of course, if they wanted to do more, we certainly would not object. No, seriously, wouldn't that be awesome? That would be great. That would be so cool. Um, I think the idea of the Lost Tribe 
is a pretty cool idea that doesn't hinge in any way on anything that's that's gone before because it was it was it's been lost for so long. Um, and I certainly wouldn't mind seeing um, a tall brunette with a little scar right here, uh, being being a member of that. Um, well, if we're going with redheads, I'd say Tanel Ka. <laughs> She's passing each other in the hall. Yes. Yes. And you know, Admiral Dahl is a redhead too, so we've got a, a thing redhead. going here. I think redheads are awesome. Um, well, it's to get back, some of our stuff has been used. And you know, when we're writers, when you're media tie in writers, we come into this from the get go knowing that our stuff is like considered back of the bus stuff, that it's not real canon stuff, that we're writing other additional things and almost never if you're writing X-Files, you're writing Star Trek, you're writing Superman, anything, you just never expect any of the stuff to ever be used in an official capacity. And um, I did a series of comics called Tales of the Jedi, the, the, old, um, the old stuff with the old Jedi Knights. And when I saw the first trailer for The Phantom Menace, and Darth Maul holds up his lightsaber and comes out one end, and then the double lightsaber out the other end, I almost wet my underoos. <laughs> because that's what we created in that comic series. We're like, whoa, George read my comics. You know, it's, uh, and it's just really, really thrilling to see something. I mean, you guys might think, well, we're writing Star Wars, so we're contributing to the universe, and, and we are. But even we who are contributing to it it's a different level of contributing to it. And then when I saw the Clone Wars and they brought the Witches of Dathomir in there, I went, go Dave! And they did some of the, the Bomar monks that I had put into some of my other stuff. And that's in the, the Clone Wars. And I just, it's cool that Lucasfilm, somebody there is actually reading the other stuff that, that is based on, on things. And it's just, it's really cool for us too. We get fanboy moments. Yeah, for me, um when I was writing, I really felt like uh, one of the first things that I did was I looked at the Star Wars universe and I thought, we really need more powerful women in the Star Wars universe. And so I created the Witches of Dathomir so that we could have powerful women. So whether they're for as villainesses or whether they're heroines, I don't care, but I want to see one at least. Yeah, I think of the, of the characters I created, um, certainly like to see Corrin, that would be fun, or, or a Jedi running around in green, you know, something, <laughs> something other than these robes that are really easy to spot everywhere. Um, and then uh, the other one would be Baron Fell. I think he'd be a lot of fun. Yeah. So do you guys think that Star Wars, um, with the Legends novels, do you think that it could continue on as an alternate universe? Do you think that works, that there would be two separate canons that uh, people could follow? Last I heard, they'd announced no new EU Legends books were going to be done. So it sounds like, in, unless they change their minds, that we have all the expanded universe, all the Legends books that we're going to get. Anybody yeah, know differently? Kind of more like a hypothetical situation. Yeah. That Do you think it would work? Not necessarily if it will happen, but do you think it could work? Probably not. Again, the marketing of the whole thing would make it, it would be difficult. People trying to figure out what was canon, what wasn't, that sort of stuff. It would, it, 
probably wouldn't confuse the fans, but it would confuse the marketing guys. <laughs> I'm just telling you, their job is not to understand, it is to market. And yeah, so that would be their problem. Well, and, and it sort of all depends on how much they change in episode seven. I mean, we don't know where, the, where they're going to go with it. Is J.J. Abrams going to blow up the planet Vulcan or not? Um, <laughs> you, we, we don't know where they're going to go, so you don't... Yeah. When they just say that the EU universe, when it isn't canon, that doesn't necessarily mean they're just going to completely do something entirely different. They're just saying, we don't have to do what the books say. Yeah, they're not governed by canon. Yeah, I, I, I can't see that it would work because when you release a new book that is canon, I think the, scale, the, the sales are going to be very high. But if you were to read, to put out one and you say, oh, this is just legends, then the sales are going to dip. And the marketers would look at this and say, this is ruining the Star Wars market because these ones are up here and these ones are down here. They're just not going to do that. They won't risk it. But to jump off of uh, something we just said, if, for example, Baron Fell shows up in the movies or is mentioned in the movies, suddenly he's no longer a legend. Now he's part of canon. And so we could get more Baron Fell novels jumping off of other stuff Mike has already done. So, yeah, it's a no more legends books, but they can de legendify. <laughs> We're writers, we can make up words. They could de-legendify some storyline or some character, and then suddenly we could have more stories about that incident or that character or that storyline. Yeah, and we're kind of already seeing that happening with the character of Quinlan Voss, who was established in the expanded universe, and now, because he was picked up as a character in the Clone Wars, there's now going to be a novel featuring him, so he will. there will be further stories featuring a character that initially was a EU character. Yeah. I, I think, and this is just purely my opinion, uninformed by any super secret knowledge, um, I think we're seeing everybody trying to figure out how is this going to work. They don't know yet. They're going to want to see reactions to the movies. They're going to want to see reactions to sales. Um, I think, honestly, we're wide open to uh, seeing maybe a third path, which is not here's Star Wars that has absolutely nothing to do with anything that was in the EU or EU, but a third path that is kind of this new uh, amalgam of the two. That's just my, my hunch. Like, like some big obvious things is, is Chewbacca alive or not? I mean, yeah, serious. Yeah. I mean, that, yeah. that's a major thing. Is Chewbacca alive or not? Peter's been on the set, so we assume so. Chewbacca! Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes! yes. <laughs> They threw they they threw a moon at him and missed. <laughs> Stormtroopers can't shoot straight no matter what. <laughs> so we wanted to kind of in this part of it on sort of a hypothetical or if there's some of the things that maybe you guys had come up with plots that you wanted to maybe write a book about that you never got to. So if any of you have a story that you had wanted to pitch and that you don't mind sharing with us, that would be awesome. My wife always says, never do that, Dave. They steal your ideas. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wanted to do, um, Mike actually made a joke about it. I did want to do the last days of Alderaan, that kind of thing, because we never got to see Alderaan. We got to see you know, the basketball in space, and it blows up. Um, I wanted, in fact, I wanted to frame it as almost like a It's a Wonderful Life where Leia gets to go back and see 
Alderaan before it was destroyed, and I, you know, no real story with it. And uh, I would like to see stuff set in the last days of Alderaan, but that was before they did all the Clone Wars stuff and everything. So now you've got to see Alderaan. Um, I would love to do novels back in the Tales of the Jedi time frame because those are really cool comics to write, and that's all open because it's so far from the movie canon that you can do whatever you want. Anyway, so if you're out there, Jennifer, listening. <laughs> uh, I was going to say, seriously, though, I always I always wanted to go back and do some more um, adventures um, with the Night Sisters, uh, particularly coming up with a nice villainous who's uh, trying to take control, you know, that type of thing. The next project I would have pitched would have been a trilogy starting with just after the Clone Wars uh, with a master tactician on the rebel side who is kind of working against Palpatine from the shadows with Obi-Wan and Darth Vader kind of being their surrogates as they play this game of chess around. The second book would be set in between probably New Hope and Empire Strikes Back with um, this game continuing on and uh, Mara would be in that one, probably assigned to, uh, there's been an assassination plot being hatched and she is assigned to protect Darth Vader from this assassination, which would be not happy for either of them. <laughs> and then the third book would come out after Survivor's Quest where all of this would tie together, but that book would also be the third book of the Legion's Choices of One trilogy so that the last book would actually be the end of two separate storylines. Probably will never happen now. <laughs> um, yesterday, um, we were asked something similar, and um, I'll, I'll give the same answer because it really would have loved to have done this, was to do, uh, uh, it would be set a few years on, and um, to do a story in which it was the battle for control between um, the Lost Tribe of the Sith and the One Sith, and Vestara would be champion of her people, a la Joan of Arc. And of course, we all know how that would end. <laughs> Down in flames. Okay, so if we are... No, go ahead. I, no, go ahead, go ahead. Go for it. I really hadn't thought about any of the stories that I wanted to write, but if I got a chance to go back and write um, Corin from first person uh, again, um, I, I always thought that the opening line would be something like, I woke up and felt like myself for the first time in years. <laughs> you know, and, and just and, and go from there with that character. So, you know, getting him back and being able to play with him again would have been a lot of fun. Okay, so if you guys want to line up, you can line up at the mic if you have questions. We just have a couple of rules, though. Um, no two-part questions or three-part questions. Just pick your one best question. And then... Also, if you can, try to condense it down so that you don't have a whole lot of commentary going on. That would be super. Uh, okay. Now, we've already established the rather unique continuity situation that the EU has had over time with games, books, comics, all tying together so well, and with the movies, really. But... I wanted to ask, how much direction were you given in this regard? Like, how much was this planned? And would you say there's any universe 
of comparable scope, scale, and size that has done this? I wasn't given a lot of. Yeah, I wasn't given a lot of direction. Uh, they they would find bits and pieces that we needed to get uh, synced up with everything else, but mostly I think a lot of the direction and, and control was handling ha handled a little bit above uh, above us with the editors and the Lucasfilm liaison people. To, to a certain extent, back in the Bantam days, um, right. it would be the authors talking to authors about, hey, yeah. can I pass this back and forth? When I was doing... Um, yeah, and when I was doing iJet, I remember talking to Kevin about using uh, using some of the sets and, and, and what was going on there. Um, and, and Tim and I did a lot of work pitching stuff back and forth. When it went to the new Jedi Order, that was a lot more uh, literally set up. Uh, outlines were, were prepared and offered to authors, so there was more direction on that sense. But several times, at least uh, when I was doing the X-Wing books, uh, and I know it was early days again, I know the same thing happened with Tim, um, Lucasfilm would find uh, a, a point of contradiction in their continuity. And, and several times I was asked, can you fix this? And so we would go through in the book and make sure that we did iron out those little things. Um, in terms of anything else that I know of of that scope, I, I did a lot of work in the Battletech universe, which had a lot of, you know, a lot of novels, a lot of game product, didn't have the major media, but it was the same sort of thing of having continuity aces and making sure that, that everybody talked back and forth and, and, and made things work. I came on um, later, and by the time I got on, uh, we were kind of joking, like, well, I think there was a period on a Thursday between 12 and 12.15 that's not accounted for, because so much of the intervening years had already had stories set in there. So um, for me, it was a, a real learning curve to familiarize myself with, with you know, 40 years of history for, for all of these characters. Well, a lot of it was we we wrote stories in different time periods and that was one of the challenges because um, when I wrote the Jedi Academy books which are in the same general time period as uh, Tim's Thrawn trilogy and the, the Witches of Death, I mean, they were within a few years of each other but then we wrote the Young Jedi Knights series which were 15 years later, oh, something wow. like that and they were being published before other major events happened and in fact we all secretly knew that Luke and Mara were getting together, although you all figured it out anyway. <laughs> but in the Young Jedi Knights books, Luke and Mara are married. But we couldn't we tell couldn't anybody so, they yeah. were married. So she just happened to come to say hi to Luke every once in a while. I heard that was actually yeah. snuck past Lucas at the last minute. Is yeah. that true? Yeah. No. No. No, no, no. no. no we, we they told it. us. They're, if you read the Young Jedi Knights books, there are very carefully some unexplained Mara Jade conjugal visits back to Yaga and Yaga before. But we were very careful not to have any mention that they were like husband and wife or anything yeah. like that. So, But they they didn't tell us what plots to write back, back in the 90s, at least. We didn't have direction in that. The furthest they went was... Um, when the third set of Young Jedi Knights books came out, they said, um, can you throw in a few more teen problems because they're still teens? And we went, uh, how about drug abuse? And they went, okay, good. <laughs> so that was it. Next question. Um, uh, yes, earlier you mentioned that um, 
that uh, when you were watching watching the uh, Clone Wars, that you were actually surpri surprised to see some of the characters that you created on screen, right? And so I assume that they didn't ask your permission for that. They don't have to. So they and they don't have to. So and I assume that's the same with Disney. Is that correct? Yeah, correct. Oh, okay. Then why the... We signed contracts that we were working for them, mm -hmm. creating toys for their sandbox, and they could use anything we wrote in any way they wanted. All right. All right. Thank you. Good day. Uh, so continuing the EU legend and then the new continuity kind of concept. So you talked about unlegendifying a character. So uh, generally, if, if you would talk to us about what you think it's going to be like for you in the future writing, I mean, because if you wrote a new book, um, it would be easy to just throw corn in in the background, not the major subject, but it would be easy. Now it's kind of a different decision, I would think. Am I going to make him part of canon? Not that that would be the, the goal, but is that something that's going to be in your mind or not? How are you going to write your new continuity stories uh, with the background of such a fantastic breadth of work you've done in the past? Well, first off, somebody has to ask us to write more. Christie's the only one that's been asked so far, so. There was an assumption there, but yes. okay. Yeah. But, but, but I think we just, we would, we'd basically be working more closely with them on continuity. We probably, um, I don't know for sure, but they may have assigned periods or topics that they may want us to handle or something like that. And, and, and that's pretty easy to do, you know. Uh, it requires you to get in and, and learn some material and find out what's going on in the background and, and then, you know, come up with something. But I think this goes a lot to the point that, that Tim made very early on. Um, I mean, when you look at where they're, the time period where they're setting the brand new movies, all right, everything that happened in the Legends books prior to that date probably has not been canceled. There's nothing that's going to overwrite any of that. So if they pick up, say, right before the New Jedi Order, I mean, if that's where they drop those movies and it's looking like the, the timeline is roughly there. Well, actually, technically it's between the New Jedi Order. Well, okay, but wherever, you know, wherever they're putting, you know, wherever they're putting those, those things, the stuff that preceded it in the fiction hasn't been overwritten unless they come up with a major event that they drop in in the background. Therefore, if I were going to write something in the new continuity and they allowed me to use Corrin, unless there was an event that I had posited in Corrin's previous history that had been directly overwritten, I could assume that that history was correct. Okay. And, and if, there were, if they wanted me to be nonspecific, I would still carry Corrin, Corrin forward as if he had the same history, just not mention any details so you've got the same character. And then if it were, we were forced to later on rationalize you know, what his background was or slightly different experiences, that's what we get paid to do, to do a lot of rationalization. Sure. We can retcon just about anything. Absolutely. <laughs> we're that hey, I explained the Kessel Run on my first page, so we got that going. Um, I, uh, the project that I have been given was a very specific one. It was to go forward on a specific storyline utilizing scripts that had already been written but not aired. And I, I think that at least for the, the near future, they're going to be very careful and make sure that everything is coloring within the lines until they get the rhythm established and, and can feel a little freer to branch out. That's just my gut feeling. Um, everybody in the back of the room, can you hear them well? Okay. Uh, he actually 
took mine, but I, so I've been sitting here coming up with a related question, uh, and it is kind of a spinoff from that question. Uh, since we as fans, we have this kind of compulsion to make everything make sense, and you see no. it in comics all the time with all of the parallel continuities and things like that. Um, and you notice how in the last 12 years, we've, like you guys and us, have stitched together Boba Fett's backstory so that it all still works somehow. Uh, and so as a relate, related to that question about integrating elements from what you've written up to this point into the new continuity, is there that compulsion there to say, um, you know, like you were talking about, Kim, with like when the special editions come out and they change things, to say, well, here's where those other characters were, or like to, to still kind of make it work, or is it more like a, this is a whole new playground, we don't have to do anything like that anymore? Like what, what is, what's the impulse? Well, we always want to make our stuff fit in whether Disney and Lucasfilm think it does or not. Yes. Uh, I used this example yesterday. I'll give a little minor twitch to that. Uh, If, for example, Talon Card shows up in the new movies, but he's an alien, uh, I will simply say, well, the human Talon Card in my books was his front man, he was the one who actually met people and made, you know, the official contacts and all of that. Either that, or he's been reti- retired for 20 years and living like a king in Patagonia. <laughs> so yeah, we will try to retcon, spackle, uh, you know, whatever we can to make it look like we were all always part of it from the beginning, whether they knew it or not. <laughs> Next question. Go ahead. Hi guys. Um, I'm a big fan of the Dark Forces and Jedi Knight games and um, enjoyed the game Mysteries of the Sith where you get to play as Mara Jade. So I was curious how it felt for you seeing um, a character that you'd written cross over and do you have your own, um, your own canon in your head for characters like that that are brought into other areas of the EU or do you just accept that this is the, the role of that character now? Uh, again, I think we can look at whatever is done with the character and we can rationalize, spackle, uh, uh, not really retcon, but we can explain away an awful lot of what is done in a given given area. Uh, and that's kind of second nature to uh, for us because if we're writing any kind of series, we'll have little glitches that creep in anyway and we have to figure out how to rationalize those. My theory is that if someone asks me about a mistake and I can come up with an answer on the spur of the moment, it was never a a mistake. It was just something I hadn't thought about yet. That will be explained in a novel yet to be written, is what I offer. (laughs) But but before you guys get too, like, OCD about the details about continuity and things, read the newspaper. If you read Vladimir Putin's account of what's going on in Ukraine and you read Fox News' account and you read MSNBC's account, this is what's really happening right now today, and nobody can get the facts straight. Yeah. So don't don't get all bent out of shape if there's one teeny thing that seems contradictory, because it happens. And, and this is Hollywood. They will change things. Yeah. <laughs> okay, go ahead. I guess to go uh, in the other direction, instead of talking about retconning, owing to the fact we don't know what the seventh movie is going to be, uh, what, where it's going to be. Would you, if you were given the chance to say specifically to uh, Mr. Zahn to do Thrawn again in the new continuity to get him not so much retell this, the Thrawn trilogy, but use that same character, put it in the new can- put him in the new canon, and just start anew. Like go back and I want to use all these characters. They've given me the opportunity. 
but instead of rehashing the story, would you tell it again in a new way? And I guess for other characters as well, for the other authors, obviously. Is there anything higher than absolutely? <laughs> no, I mean, we again, whatever they wanted to do with one of our characters, we could probably make it fit with what we'd done before. And if not, we just say, all that stuff back there, they lied through their teeth to all of you. This is what really happened. Well, and I think that says something a lot about Lucasfilm and about the Star Wars universe. We've all, I, I don't know what, what, Tim, what is your total project so far with Star Wars? Have you counted? Uh, 10 books and like 19 short stories. Yeah, I mean, my, my total was like 54 things if you count the stories and comics and everything else. Pop-up Re- books. And Rebecca did <laughs> 19. Rebecca did 19. Um, Mike did, did tons of them. And we're all like ready to go, anytime you ask us again, we'll do it. Um, I can tell you, no, I won't tell you some of the other properties that I've worked on that I wouldn't be quite so enthusiastic <laughs> to dive back into them. Um, they were really pretty cool to work with, and yes. we still love Star Wars, and, you know, the fans were pretty darn supportive, too. We kind of like you guys, so uh, it really is... And. You know, if they came to me and said, Kevin, we really, really, really want somebody to write the Jar Jar Jedi book, you know what? I would do it. With apologies. And it would be the best Jar Jar Jedi book you would ever read. But you could make it work. That's the thing. We can make these things, we can make almost anything work if we really, you know, put our backs into it. And I can pretty much guarantee you almost everybody in this room would read it. and then they'd pick it apart with the continuity. (laughs) Okay, next question. Hi. Uh, Everyone here, of course, is a big EU fan, whether they've been reading for uh, just a few years or for a few decades. Uh, The EU has meant a lot to them, and that's why you have people so a little upset about it. Actually, I represent a group that's trying to petition Disney to uh, establish it as an alternate universe and continue stories from uh, the Expanded Universe storyline because... We loved it so much. Now, remember, it happened before with the Infinities logo. Uh, it didn't make me that many comic books because it didn't make that much money. But the difference between Infinities and the Expanded Universe is the Expanded Universe has been around for 37-plus years. We have a built-in uh, fan base here. Uh, my question is, if the fans did uh, band together, make their voice be heard about this, uh, I do agree with Mr. Stackpole. Marketing does not understand alternate universes, but they do understand money. <laughs> they do understand money, and if enough voices say something, then of course they're gonna open up that cash register and start letting it come in. Now, if that did happen, it's kind of a play off your question you asked earlier, which I thought was a great question. Uh, would you be opposed to there being an alternate universe? I mean, or would you be okay with it? Anything that gets us paid. <laughs> Yeah, I think I think that'd be great. I mean, I, I think I think probably everybody here agrees that that would be fun to do. The problem, of course, is just you know, will they do it? I know that um, when they were talking about uh, coming up with the Legends brand and uh, taking this this uh, down, um, I had uh, a number of newspaper reporters and stuff who said you've got to make you know, Courtship of Princess Leia as part of the official canon and. And uh, of course, that didn't happen. But you know, uh, in Hollywood, 
you never know what what can happen. So um, just that the fact that there was pressure, and I know that there was pressure within the company uh, to do it too. That some of the some of the people who were in charge of creating what is going to be uh, the official canon were saying, yes, we want this to be in there too. So you just never know. Well, and I guess some um, something to, that just came up because of that in my head, um, Christy, you've been working with the Lucasfilm Story Group. How is that different from how things were before now that they have this official story group with Leland Chi and Pablo Hidalgo and Jen Heddle um, that they're trying to keep things in a certain line? Well, I'm because I'm working on this very specific project, I don't think I can say that that experience would be like working with them on a novel based on characters from the upcoming movie. It's not really the same animal. It's just this very limited scope specific thing. And so far, it's been pretty much the same. Um, I'm We're hammering out the outline right now. And, um, you know, so I'll work something up and I'll send that uh, in and get feedback and then work it some more and, until we're all on the same page for it. So, so far from my experience on this one particular thing, um, uh, it really has, hasn't been that different. Um, I don't know what it would be like if I were uh, being tapped to write a novelization or some major uh, novel that was going to deal with the new movies. Um, I would think that would probably be different. I think there'd be a, a, a closer eye and more involvement from other people on those. Uh, I just wanted to say thank you because I've had a lot of fun reading all of your work. So my question is, which of your stories did you have the most fun writing? We didn't have any fun. <laughs> well, they've all been fun to write. I mean, they've all been challenging, exciting. Just the chance to play in the galaxy far, far away is just gets you up in the morning and you want to hit that uh, keyboard and, and get some words written. For absolute fun, probably it would be scoundrels for me. We can, we can just go down the line for this if you want. Well, so far I've only written the one storyline, so <laughs> I would say that that one was the most fun, and I would be completely accurate on that. Um, I really did enjoy it. It was a very big challenge to do a nine-book series with two other authors and being the, the, the middleman, as it were, you know, getting something handed and then handing it off. It was a real challenge, and to, to be so new to the EU universe, but um, I really did feel that I had the... Uh, I, I was welcomed as a professional. I was, uh, you know, made to feel like I was very welcome, very much belonged there, and really did enjoy it. And felt that I, I had the chance to create some characters that I think people were able to take to their hearts and enjoy. Um, for me, it would have been uh, the novel Lightsabers, which was um, focused mainly on Tanelka, um, and. I, we got to go into some of the detail about what it meant to build your own lightsaber and what kind of quality you had to have and also um, focus on somebody of mixed heritage and how they dealt with that and then with the loss of a limb and a handicap. And um, so there were so many components to explore. That was the most fun for me. Yeah, that was probably one of one of well, fun, as in lopping somebody's arm off and stuff like that. But, um, but we, I remember talking to Lucasfilm about because we were doing the whole series of Young Jedi Knights, and I said, okay, here's what we want to do: we want to have the kids building their lightsaber and practicing with it, and something goes wrong so that Tanel Cock gets her arm cut off, and here's why: because they immediately went. <gasps> 
and I said, well, first off, these are teenagers playing with lightsabers. <laughs> well, I want to emphasize, they're not toys. They're deadly weapons. They're, they're like kids playing around with AK-47s. It's, you don't want to say this is just cute and fun. These are dangerous weapons. And I said, so there are consequences if they're goofing around. And Tanelka gets, gets injured and gets her arm cut off. And we wanted to show that, because she's a badass. And we wanted to show that even though she has lost an arm, even though she's handicapped, she's still a badass. And Lucasfilm said, okay, we, we get the dangerous weapons thing, that's fine. And you can cut her arm off because we'll just stick another one on if we want to. And I went, no! <laughs> because the point is to show that she's such a badass, she doesn't need that arm, she's still such a badass. And she's insistent, even with her handicap, she can do anything she used to do before. And she does that all the way through the series until book 13. I mean, all the way through, she's been insistent. She does not want a replacement arm. She doesn't need a replacement arm. She can do everything she can without that arm that she lost because of her own failings. And then uh, it's a scene on Cloud City when she, Jason and, and Tanel Carr are fighting the bad guys. And he falls off of the, the deck of Cloud, of Cloud City and Tanel Ka reaches out to grab him, but she doesn't have a hand, so he falls. So the whole thing ties together because of her hubris and not wanting to get a replacement arm. <coughs> I mean, he gets better, of course, but she, she thinks that her friend died because she would not get a replacement arm. And all of this stuff, I mean, this is book 13 following up after book four. We have all this stuff in our head when we're building it up. and just living with these characters and I, I remember writing that scene when Jason falls and she reaches out and I still my, my flesh just crawls about that because it just means so much to us how we put all that together I'm not sure that's fun but that's <laughs> what I think blowing up suns was more fun yeah I, <laughs> you know um, the truth is is that I had fun with all of them and, and it's hard to uh, it, it's hard sometimes to sit down and, and decide which one I had the most fun with I, I still think probably Courtship of Princess Leia, but um, I, I did some little Star Wars Adventures books for Scholastic that were just little things for middle grade kids. I played these games with them and stuff, and I have a lot of people who still come to me to get them signed and, and things like that. Um, but uh, uh, I, I wrote the first one of those, and the, the, uh, the uh, chief editor there uh, came to me afterwards and said, you know, this is the best thing we've published in 42 years. And, uh, and I thought, wait a minute, you published an awful lot of stuff in 42 years. That, that seemed like almost, uh, I, I mean, that was really overreaching, but she absolutely loved them. And, uh, and so, you know, because of that, she asked me to help her choose a book to, to push big for the next year. I chose a book called Harry Potter uh, to choose. And, and it's just sort of funny how, you know, something like this little Star Wars, you know, worked around into different opportunities like that. You know, I think I, I enjoyed doing all of the books. Um, I think the one that, that probably was the most fun was I, Jedi. Um, it wrote itself in 31 days. Uh, and I think I was on the phone with Tim every single one of those days because we were comparing notes of stuff that we were shooting back and forth between what were his last two Phantom books and, uh, and I, Jedi. So that one just, I mean, it literally wrote itself and it was just, it was just a lot of fun. Go ahead. 
Uh, Christy, uh, you were working on the Sword of the Jedi books about Jaina Solo before the Disney purchase, and I was just wondering you know, how far along in the process those had gotten, and if there's anything you could tell us about where her story might have gone. Well, this is going to be, I'm afraid, disappointingly anticlimactic. Um, we were, Jennifer Heddle and Charlize Spiro and I were in the very early stages of putting together an outline. And actually, we had all kinds of balls in the air, and we had all kinds of ideas, and we, I, I couldn't even tell you what it was about because we hadn't decided what it was going to be about yet. And um, then, I think it was like November 5th, 2012, um, you know, she sent me an email. She says, we're just going to table this until we find out what's what's going on with, with the, the merger and the sale. And so... I guess this, I guess the good the good thing is is that it can be about whatever you all wanted it to be about because you know as much as I do on that point. Right, another question uh, for you, Christy. Mm-hmm. Now that you're working on the Quinlan Voss uh, mm-hmm. Saj Ventures book, is there any chance that Quinlan's partner in crime, Vilmar Grark, is going to make an appearance and therefore become canonized? I have been told that I can't comment on anything. And I will also say that, also honestly, we're still in the very beginning stages of the outline, so there's... Um, Really, you know, even if I were allowed to comment, there wouldn't be very much to to share with you at this point. So sorry about that. Uh, I just wanted to say thank you all for being here. It's very much appreciated doing this panel. Um, my question is, when you're approached, because I hope all of you will be, if you have a choice, when would you write your new story? Would it be after the new movies? Would it flesh out Clone Wars? Um, what what time frame would you prefer to write in? We can go down the line with that. Do you want to start on the end of mine? You know, if they came to if they came to us, they probably they wouldn't probably be a blanket. You can write in anyone you want to. So whatever they wanted me to do, whatever they thought I'd be up for, yeah, I'll I'll do that. Same answer. <laughs> well, I I would love to go back to the the Tales of Jedi time frame just because it's there's it's unexplored territory. It's back. In fact, that's one of the I haven't written a new Star Wars. I did fifty four projects but the last one was like 98 or 99 something like that and since then there have been so much else poured into the the well the old canon into the universe that um like christy was saying well there's this time frame between 1205 and 1215 that hasn't been explored yet um i would want to go someplace where i didn't have to read and memorize a hundred and some books before i could get started <laughs> Although if they're scrapping all the canon, I suppose yeah. I wouldn't have to. But <laughs> yeah, I would take whatever time period they put me in. Um, if I had any input, I would love to do something with Luke Skywalker. That's really the only thing that I would in- not insist on, but but really be very very happy to to do. Pretty much anything, but if I had my choice, I would pick up with something, one of the new movies or characters from there. Ideally, if we're as long as we're wishing, I would take something. I would get a, a story after Episode Seven, but have the script of Episode Eight, so I know where I'm going and can lead the readers in the direction that they're planning to go. I'd also like a pony. <laughs> I want a pony too. <laughs> You gotta feed those things, though. Actually, what what it occurred to me though is what I would love to write is the novel of the roll-up for Episode Seven. 
the one that's like three paragraphs long telling you what happened after Return of the Jedi before Episode 7, I'd love to write that novel, and they could give me that roll-up as my outline, and I would go from there. My question is for Mr. Zahn. Coming from a hard sciences background, um, like myself, um, what was it like working in a creative medium and write, switching over to creative writing, and how do you re reconcile that with the utter lack of physics, really, as we have in, in Star Wars? Oh, there's physics back there. You can make it work. Uh, yeah. uh, coming from... Hmm? I was going to say, that part of the universe, uh, spaceships do make sound as they go through space. <laughs> well, there is a tenuous you know, interplanetary medium. You can, if it's loud enough, you will be able to hear something coming out. Um, no, we, 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 we uh, handle the physics as we can, whatever's there, and uh, you know, new improved physics are elsewhere sometimes in the universe. And there are a lot of uh, hand-waving arguments you can make and hand-waving physics and technology. And the background, my background in physics helps because I understand how you hand-wave those things. So it actually was uh, not really a problem for me. So because I'm most interested in uh, geography and astrography of Star Wars, I'm curious if you had access to the galaxy and hyperspace travel, what are the places that you'd like to visit or maybe you'd like to live if you had the ability? Here's a good one. <laughs> I'm from St. George, Utah. It's very much like Tatooine, so... <laughs> What, what's good at the soundtrack? <laughs> Coruscant's got some nice parts. Um, Dagobah need too much bug repellent. I could, go some, I, I could do some fishing in Dagobah. That'd be fun. Naboo was kind of a cool place. I'd like to go hiking on Naboo. Yeah. Was it Hapes? Yeah, yeah, most of the planets are infested with you know Gungans or Huts or Death Stars and... It's not a lot of really nice real estate, which is why our heroes are always going from someplace to someplace else. All right, let's go through these next two kind of quick. Sure, just real quick. What's the most effective way you've dealt with writer's block? With what? With, who has with writer's, writer's block? block. Writer's block. Yeah. Who has writer's block? <laughs> yeah, look, writer's block is generally because you don't know your characters. So get to know your characters well, they will tell the story for you. You know, if you don't know your characters well, that's why you stop. It's if when you outline things like you absolutely have to when you're writing in somebody else's universe, you already know where you're going. You're not like exploring, and so so that gives you a direction already. It's not like you're wondering what's going to happen next. Well, we're all professional writers. This is our job. We go to work. Lawyers don't get to have lawyer's block, and doctors <laughs> don't get to have doctor's block. We're writers. That's what we do for our job. So. You write the next sentence and write the next sentence and get it done. Go ahead. Well, first of all, the reason y'all are called legends is because all of us right now, when we have our own little Star Wars fans to tell stories to at night, I don't have to make anything up. <laughs> <laughs> but my question would be, excluding your own stories of the EU, what is your individual favorite lines of, of story or, or novels. Oh, it's been too Don't long. do that. <laughs> How can we choose? I really like Mike Stackpole stuff and Dave Wolverton stuff and Rebecca Mesta stuff and Christy Golden stuff and Timothy Zahn stuff. 
what he said except the other way down the yeah. line. <laughs> and, and rippling right back up there. <laughs> all right, so the, thank you wait, guys. Wait, wait, I, I wait. I want to... If you haven't noticed, we do all sort of get along. I mean, we I've known Mike Stackpole since I was 17 years old, and I'm 30 now. <laughs> plus at, plus oh, shipping and handling. Yeah. And I was 19 years old, and I look like I'm 60, because I've known him since then. <laughs> All right, well, thank you guys so much for being here. Everybody stick around. We do have a giveaway. We're having them bring up some novels. So we hope you guys enjoyed the panels that we got to moderate at DragonCon. It was a really fun time, and hopefully we'll get to do that again in the future. At least, I really hope we do. Did you yeah. have a good time? Oh, I had a great time. It was it was surreal, but, but also fun. And I wasn't as nervous as I thought I was going to be once I got on stage. And, you know, it was a... I wouldn't say a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, because I think it'll happen again. But it was a first for me, for sure, to be able to to moderate a panel of these authors. And I think, you know, next year, hopefully me and you will both be down there again and we can do it again. Yeah. So if you don't know where to follow us, we will give you all of that information. Um, you can follow us on Twitter. It's at SW bookworms. And then I am challenging all of our listeners again to send us emails with your thoughts on things, especially thoughts on these panels. Actually, I'd love to hear um, it's starwarsbookworms at gmail.com. And if you email us, you will probably hear your email on the next official show. Um, go over to Facebook and like us. It's t- facebook.com slash starwarsbookworms. And we post a lot of news on there as far as like things that we're hearing coming from the book world and stuff like that. Um, and then, as always, please go over to iTunes and leave us a five-star review because we need it. It helps us show up when people search for Star Wars Books Podcasts. And um, we want to be the go-to show for your Star Wars books, reviews, and all of that kind of stuff. So um, please go over there and leave us a five-star review if you have not. I know that um, we haven't had any new reviews in a while, I don't think, so, you know, go on over there. It'd be super helpful. Um, you can follow Aaron on Twitter. He's at AVGoins. And Teresa is at IceColdPenguin on Twitter and Instagram. So keep on reading, and may the Force be with you.